if you're in a marriage where you have just kind of been chasing your tail as a couple and you just can't seem to get anywhere and you, you just kind of are, are baffled, I would encourage you to go on a treasure hunt, except it's not a treasure you're looking for. It's something rotten and it's called pride. Welcome to You and Me and Jesus, a Christian marriage podcast. Welcome back. This is Mindy. And I'm Carrie. We are happy to be here with you today. Yes, we are, because we want to talk to you about one of the biggest pain points in marriage, conflict. Man, there's all kinds of things that can contribute to conflict. We got a list of them here. Why don't we just alternate? Differing opinions, right? Right. Personal background. Personal background, absolutely. Yeah, another one could be maybe one of the partners has poor communication skills, and it results in hurt on the other person's part. And maybe perspectives that are different, just different ways of seeing things could cause conflict. Yeah, which is not a right or wrong issue, but it still causes conflict. You know, and there's tons more things that can cause conflict. All those issues, for sure, need to be addressed in a marriage eventually. But if one or both of the marriage partners is missing an essential quality, which we're going to mention here in a moment, it's not going to matter how much you work at those issues. You're still going to have big time trouble in your marriage. You're going to feel like you're spinning your wheels and wondering why things are not working out. That's right. And what is the quality we're talking about? It's the characteristic of humility. Humility. Yeah. The Bible gives us two really big reasons why humility is so important. Uh, The first is that it's the key ingredient in Christian relationships. It's just the primary thing. I mean, think about a cake, you know, you have a primary ingredient in a chocolate cake. chocolate, you know, sugar, those kind of things. Well, humility is that in Christian relationships. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And it's kind of broken up in the way that Paul describes it into three sections. He talks about the goal of Christian relationships first, and then he talks about the methods we use to accomplish that goal. And then he talks about the mindset we have to adopt in order to implement the methods to accomplish the goal. So let's start in verses 1 and 2 and talk about the goal. Okay, so Philippians 2, 1 through 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So notice Paul's just talking about generic Christian relationships here. He's not specifying marriage, but because you're a Christian and your spouse is a Christian, you can assume This applies to you because you're both Christians. And so he's saying the goal of Christian relationships is harmony and love that reflects what God has done for us. Okay, so keep that perspective in mind. You want your ability to get along with each other to reflect the great things God's done to reconcile you to himself. That's massive. Marriage is really the perfect context in which to learn how to live that out. It's actually a great gift that the Lord has given us to be able to show Christ's love for the church and to show Christ's love for the whole world. Because as we learn to practice being one and unified and loving one another in our 
marriage, we're going to teach our children how to do that. So then our family is going to be that way. And then we're going to naturally be that way with other Christians. The world is going to look at our relationships and how we treat one another. And they're going to want what we have. And they're going to wonder where it's coming from. And that's our opportunity to show them to Christ. And you may notice verses one and two don't mention humility yet. That's because we're just looking at the big picture right now. We're looking at the goal of Christian relationships. It's that harmony and love. And then the method we use to accomplish the goal starts in verse three, verses three and four. And this is where humility starts to come in. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. In a nutshell, the way we foster the harmony and love that's to exist between Christians is to consider others' needs as more important than our own needs. Many times that means consider the other person's needs first. Let's say your wife has some emotional needs, but you also have some needs too. You as the husband in considering her as more important, you'll care for her emotional needs. And then you will trust the Lord for her to be able to meet your needs down the road. Yeah, that's very good. As I think we both can kind of get in this my turn mentality where we're saying, well, when is it my turn to get my needs met and all that? That's part of what we need to entrust with the Lord. You, you notice in this passage, he doesn't say anything about making sure you're taking turns. He just says, each of you, your responsibility is to consider the other person first. So there's no time where it sounds like you get off the hook on that. You have always got to be thinking about them and they've always got to be thinking about you. And it works amazingly well when we're both able to do this. It really is a beautiful thing. And verse four talks about not only looking to your own interests, but to the interest of others. There's an idea there that it's okay to acknowledge your needs and your interests and your desires. But if you're applying what verse three is talking about, you're counting the other person as more important. You will trust God with your desires and your needs, knowing he will meet them. But your job is to consider your spouse as more important. And your spouse's job is to consider your needs as more important. So it's not a keeping track and keeping score of, okay, I went first. Now it's your turn. We just need to wait on the Lord to do things in his timing. There's been times when I have actually prayed, Lord, I'm really needing this from my husband. Please help him to recognize it. Please help him to care for me in that way. But I knew I was still on the hook to love my husband as he needed to be loved. And the Lord is always faithful. He does meet those needs. It might not come when I want it to, but it does come. And it's God's perfect timing. Something you said there, sparked a perspective in my mind that I think might be helpful. You said we have to trust the Lord with our needs. And I think if we kind of step back from the situation we're describing and recognize God meets our needs through various means, there's various things he does to do that. And one of the ways is through our spouse. And so if we can step back and recognize in considering my spouse more important than myself, I'm making myself available for God to use to meet my spouse's needs. It's not about me versus her anymore. It's about me in God's hands to be a channel of blessing to her and vice versa. She gets to do the same thing, thinking of God using her to bless me. 
And it really removes our self-interest when you think of it that way and makes us a tool in God's hands. It's a beautiful thing. And it's all for God's glory. That's right. Now, as we move into the next section of this, verses 5, 6, 7, 8, he's going to talk about the mindset that goes into this kind of an interaction between us. So verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now notice what it says there at the beginning. He says, have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Paul's assuming we already have this mindset. He's not only assuming, he's insisting. He's saying, you have this mindset as a part of who you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. So Mindy, how do you think about that? What's helpful to you when you you try and think through the mind of Christ is now in me and that applies to my husband? How? Well, I think about, it's talking about this mindset of humility. And because Jesus is living in me, then I am humble. I want to be humble. And so I just need to ask the Lord to express that through me and to, by faith, believe it's there. It's not something I have to conjure up or I have to study for days on end all the verses on humility. Christ in me through the power of the Holy Spirit will live out humility. So I just need to know and confidently know that it is already within me to be able to express in my marriage. I love that. And this section also shows us that there's really not a limit. There's not a ceiling on how long or how far or how much we need to demonstrate humility. I mean, look at the example it gives of Jesus. I mean, it sets a really high bar for us. I mean, he was God, yet he gave everything he had to come and serve us. I mean, how much more extreme can you get? It says phrases like he emptied himself. He became obedient to the point of death. So these are extreme phrases. And you know, how often do we feel emptied of ourself? Who has ever humbled themselves to the point of death? Yeah. You know, we were talking just a bit ago about when we consider one another, that means we are considering them first. We're letting them go first, their needs and their desires go first. I think that's a part of emptying ourselves of our desires. It's part of humbling ourselves before the Lord and with our spouse. So living in a humble relationship is full of sacrifice and not so good feelings. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's very true. But because Christ is in us, he gives us the power and even the desire to live in that manner because it's his desire to live in that manner. Right. But the beautiful thing of it is having a humility-centered marriage, the fruit of it is sweet. The fruit of it is bountiful and very pleasurable, even though getting to that point might be full of a lot of pain yeah, and suffering. Absolutely. Now, we mentioned a second important reason the Bible says that humility is vital in Christian relationships, and that is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It's also mentioned in the book of James, but it's the avenue by which we receive God's help. Mindy, would you read 1 Peter 5, 5? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
And notice that this is not just generic humility. This is relational humility. He says, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Okay, so this is back to that considering others as more important than yourself idea. And what Peter says to us here is that if we are not humble, we're proud. Now, that sounds just as obvious as a nose on your face, but think of what I'm saying here. There's no middle ground. There's not a gray area where you're kind of humble, kind of proud. If you're not humble, you're proud. And he says, God opposes the proud. That's a scary thought. And we don't want to be opposed by God. And I think that this is the reason why so many marriages are falling apart, Hmm. or so many marriages are on the rocks, or struggling, or miserable, because one or both of the spouses are living in pride, and they're not walking in humility towards one another. And what you're saying is, God is opposing that pride. God is in the midst of that conflict, not allowing harmony, not allowing love, not allowing resolution until that person humbles themselves. And that's kind of a scary thought because I think we tend to think, oh, they are not getting along in their marriage because of the things that they are doing. Those things we talked about at the beginning that contribute to conflict. Right. The husband is not doing X, Y, Z. The wife's not doing X, Y, Z. But actually, we forget the outside spiritual presence of the Holy Father who's actually causing them to stay in this conflict because he's opposing them. So he's not giving them help. It's out of the realm of only their fault. The responsibility is in God's hands now. He's saying, I'm opposing, I'm not helping. And so that's a scary thought. It shows us how important it is for us to be humble, to not be proud. And that whole concept I'm sure to many people sounds really foreign. Wait a minute. God is causing the disunity in my marriage. Well, he's causing in the effect that he's not helping. He's not helping you get past it because the first thing that needs to be addressed is the state of your heart. It's proud. Then it's the source of the conflict. It's the reason you can't see eye to eye. It's why your varying perspectives can't be talked about reasonably. It's because pride is just digging in its heels and saying, not going to give in not going to budge, not going to hear you, not going to sympathize because my way is best or my way is right or fill in the blank. That's basically what God is saying. Well, you're proud. You're not teachable. You're not listening. You're not asking for help. So I'm opposing you. I'm not giving you help. So we need to take this seriously. For sure. Now, if we go full circle and go back to the conflicts that we were talking about at the beginning and all the reasons for those conflicts, as I mentioned, at some point, it is helpful to get practical tips on how to deal with these various conflicts. But friends, if you're in a marriage where you have just kind of been chasing your tail as a couple and you just can't seem to get anywhere and you you just kind of are, are baffled, what's going on? Why are we always at odds? Why does this come up every month or so? Why this? Why that? I would encourage you to go on a treasure hunt, except it's not a treasure you're looking for. It's something rotten. It's called pride. (laughs) Ask the Lord to show you where are you proud? Where are you not listening to the Holy Spirit? Where are you not listening to your spouse who is trying to tell you the same thing over and over again? And you know what? God will jump at answering your prayer because you are starting to be humble before him by saying, God, help me. I want you to root out this pride. He's already ready to help you and he will. Absolutely. 
Well, our assignments for this episode, we have four of them here. And again, it's a kind of take your pick sort of assignment, whatever you feel fits where you are in this issue. First is read Philippians chapter two, verses one through nine. That's the passage we just looked at every day for the next 14 days. I'd encourage you to just take your time, set aside 10 or 15 minutes, read it every day, ponder what it's saying, let the Holy Spirit minister that truth to you, and then respond in obedience to what God's doing in your heart. That's assignment number one. So second option, start praying for the Lord to grow humility in you, and then also pray for the Lord to grow humility in your spouse. That's the most loving thing you can do for your spouse is to ask the Lord to grow humility in them. And the most loving thing that you can do towards your spouse is to ask the Lord to help you to grow in humility. I mean, it's a great place to start. Okay, the third option, memorize one of those passages, the one in First Peter, the longer one in Philippians 2. You take your pick and memorize that passage so that it pops into your mind more frequently. And then pick up and read the book Humility by Andrew Murray. This is a little bit more of a time commitment. This is a life-changing book to read. Humility by Andrew Murray. Just a heads up on that book. It is a challenging read. Not that it's hard, but just that for myself anyway, I get about a paragraph into it and I have to stop and ponder what I just read because it's so profound and so powerful. So don't expect to rush through it and get a lot of benefit. You'll need to just take your time and ponder it as you read. So friends, I just want to give you a final encouragement about this, that Christ who is living in you right now is your greatest example of humility. He humbled himself. He was God and he humbled himself to become a man, to become our savior. Seek him, plead with him to develop his humility through you and in you. And he will. He can't wait to do it. That's why he came to earth. That's why he died for you. That's why he's living in you. And also be encouraged that as you grow in humility, You're going to be growing in insight and wisdom about the conflicts, the things that that cause hardships in your relationship, because you're going to see them more clearly. Humility washes away the blinders. Humility washes away the scales from your eyes. So be encouraged. This journey of growing in humility is going to end in such great reward for you and your spouse. Okay, friends, let's pray together. Lord, I'm thankful for all the people who are listening, all the people who will listen in the future, that you're the God of of communication who speaks your word to us and enables us to glean wisdom. And this whole issue of humility is one that we have to admit doesn't come naturally for us. It's something we struggle with because we're popped out of the womb wanting what we want and wanting what we think is best for us. But Lord, because of the power of Jesus in us, in his attitude and mind of humility and considering others more important than himself. He has given us everything we need to live this out. So we ask you, Lord, to enrich us with his wisdom and with his presence. Enable us step by step, day by day, to get pride out of the way so you come along and help us in our marriages to overcome conflicts that maybe are long-standing so that we can move forward in harmony and in love that represents you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast is a production of Morning Mindset Media. Find out how you can become a monthly partner to help us help you and others get their minds aligned with the truth of God's Word. You can also find out about our other podcasts at morningmindsetmedia.com.
cute, but it's great. Notice also, if we are not humble, we are proud. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah. Where is that? It's one of your points you made. Yeah. Leave it to me to state the obvious. Because we all need to grow in humility. We all need a greater heart. I'm just going to leave all that out. Okay. I don't like that. Am I supposed to pray? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's close with prayer. No, I don't want to say that. I hate when people say that. <laughs> that was my church growing up. Brother Fussell, would you close in prayer? <laughs> Fussell. We had a brother Fussell. We really did. And he always prayed the same thing. <laughs> Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for, I mean, this is lead God and direct us and help us to do thy will. And we'll give you the praise. <laughs> in Jesus' name. I mean, always the same. That's so funny. And my friend Chuck and I would kind of mouth it as he's saying it to each other, looking at each other. We were bad. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> okay.